0: Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for those that you've brought here today. We thank you for the truth that is found in your word, in your word alone. And we thank you for the redemption that we have in your son alone as well. Bless our time together, Lord. We need your your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord, to grant us uh, fresh ears uh, to hear this material. Lord, uh, some of us have heard, heard it uh, many times. And Lord, I need your Holy Spirit to exposit it correctly, Lord, uh, unto your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. By token of introduction, I'll tell you, when Dan, Dan said, uh, you know, would you mind filling in? And I, I said, no, not at all. I've done this before. And what came to my mind, the last time I did Wednesday night, which was, I don't know, three months ago, four months ago, the last time I did Wednesday night, our dear sister Esther was sitting in the middle of the room. And without saying a word, Esther was such an amazing encourager. Without saying a word. And then, boom, the light goes on. I'm going to talk about encouragement or exhortation, biblically exhortation, encouragement. And I will tell you about Esther. And it wasn't just if I was teaching. It was Nathaniel teaching or Dan was teaching or whoever was teaching. And as I would cite a verse without looking down, but I'm just, you know, as part of the lesson here's here's the verse, right? And as I'm saying the verse, Esther is mouthing the verse in agreement and nodding her head, and she's mouthing the verse. It's like, if you've ever had the the opportunity to to, to teach in front of a group, small or large, and you have an attentive handful of people, it's a great encouragement for the one who's teaching. It's like, yeah, I, I'm, you know, people are tracking with me. I'm, I'm not just, not just a voice out there that's bouncing off the walls, but you know yes.
1: Remind me of uh, roller decks, you know, like, you know, encouragement or sadness or what's that other one, um, depression. All of
0: the above. We're we're live. This is a live studio audience. We're being broadcast out there. So you have to use the microphone. Yes.
1: I have to repeat it all over again. I'm too old to repeat it. I forgot what I said.
0: She was a human Rolodex.
1: Yes. And she was my mentor. And I feel crying when I just, and, you know, she took care of the family. And Jonathan was there. And Kayla was there. And she went to the hospital every single day. And took care of the grandkids, -grandkids. great-grandkids. And I got to see Jonathan at her funeral. And I said, are you Jonathan? And she said, yes, ma'am. And she went to the uh, children's hospital as much as she could. And uh, the lady is just energized bunny.
0: She was. She was. So we... uh, yeah, I'm sure everyone who, who came to know Esther over the years um, misses her dearly, but uh, um, she is with the Lord where we all hope to be at some point in time. That first passage, this is reason one reason all of us need encouragement. And you'll notice in the title, that's not a typo, I put brackets around the word Courage. Courage is integral to the word encouragement. It's to move someone to courage, right? And to walk this walk, this Christian life walk, takes an incredible amount of courage if we're doing it biblically. We have to be willing to go out there, get knocked down, be rejected by family, be rejected by friends, It takes great courage. And so it's incumbent on us to come alongside those who need courage to enhance that courage. So John 16.33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And here it is. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So, we may be going through tribulation at some point in our lives, maybe for our entire lives, but the Lord Jesus puts that to rest and says, behold, I have overcome the world. So, some working definitions, right? Encouragement is the Act of giving courage or confidence of success. The incitement to action or practice, incentive, that which serves to incite, support, promote, or advance as favor, countenance, rewards, profit. Okay, so that's... um. That's Noah Webster in the 1825 Dictionary. That's how he, he defined it. And I was, I was disappointed because many of the entries in Webster's 1825 Dictionary include Scripture as an example of, of some of the words. It's, if you have opportunity to acquire a Webster's 1825 Dictionary, I would, I would encourage that. An encourager, the individual, is one who incites or stimulates to action, one who supplies incitements, either by counsel, reward, or by means of execution, and one who inspires with hope and confidence. Now, it's a a well-known fact that we all need some level of encouragement. And it's very easy to receive encouragement. It's much more difficult to give encouragement to others. As I said, Esther Toms was a great encourager, and she was without even saying a word at times. And we have a picture of encouragement biblically. Barnabas. The apostles named him... Encouragement—that's what Barnabas means. They named him Encouragement. His real name was Joseph, right? He was the son of Encouragement, and he's credited. I had no idea that this existed, but there is a book, an apocryphal book called the Book of Barnabas. Um, my neighbor up at our our, our our house up north was telling me. He said, "Yeah, have you read the Book of Barnabas?" I said, "No, I've never read, read the Book of you know, the Book of Barnabas." He said, oh yeah, it's out there. I said, okay, Uh, I'm not high on the Apocryphal books, but uh, that's fine. And some speculate that Barnabas even wrote the book of Hebrews, and we're going to look at some passages in Hebrews, which seems to make sense, because if you understand the tenets and the purpose behind the book of Hebrews, it was to encourage the Jewish Christians who are now out in the world and are being chastised, they aren't being martyred yet, but they're being chastised, right their, their, their families have left them, and you know other, other things. And those kinds of things are relatable even in this day and age, even 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 today. Many a religion will chastise their family for leaving a religion, right? It goes even further in Judaism, wherein um, if someone leaves a Jewish household and becomes a believer in Christ, they've essentially dismissed that person as dead and at times we'll do a mock funeral because that person, in their minds, is dead because they've left, left the, the tradition. So it's a, it, it's, a, it's a serious thing, and you know, some of you may have a Roman Catholic background, and you left the Roman Catholic faith and came to Christ in repentance and faith. And you've been chastised by your uh, by your, your your family it's certainly true in our household, so those things are very uh, those things are very true right but um, yeah Barnabas uh, was a was a Levite um, and uh, reading from the notes there, he would have been fully engaged in the work of the church and as a Levite, he was born as a helper in the church, and such people had no choice. He was born a Levite, so he was kind of born into this serving. And uh, from that, it morphed into an encourager, and he was of of great benefit to the Apostle Paul as Paul went forward. Um, You know, Paul was um, questioned many times. How can you, as a former persecutor of the church, be an apostle? So Paul's credibility was in question, and Barnabas came alongside and kind of paved the way uh, where uh, where Paul went. Okay. Traits and habits of an encourager or an exhorter, right? These are just some of the of the of the habits and traits. Humble, right? Be selfless, putting others first. A genuine heart for people. Be compassionate. Demonstrate a real and loving concern for people have an empathetic ear, an eye for potential, a consistent source of hope, and able to set a positive and inspiring example. And as believers, we don't hope as the world hopes, right? It's not a wish. Biblically, hope in the Greek means promise. We, we hold fast to the promise that either one day we will go to Christ for all of eternity, or he will return, and... Uh, So that's our hope. And when we're encouraging somebody, they have to see that hope in us. Otherwise, it's kind of just empty words, right? All right. These are a handful of passages that uh, I'd like to go through. And I'd like to save some time at the end for sharing some of your experiences, either as an encourager or as one who has been encouraged, so I want to try and leave some time uh, at the at the end. Hebrews three twelve, beautiful passage. Again, understand the premise, the purpose of of, of, the, of the book of Hebrews was to exhort and encourage the the, the Jewish Christians who um, were undergoing some, some challenges. Hebrews 3.12, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. The New King James, this is the ESV, the New King James renders it a little bit more directly and equates an unbelieving heart with an evil heart. Those two are working together. And this is is a big, big deal. Lest there be any of you, and this is one of the warning passages. Now, in Hebrews, I should have mentioned this before, but in Hebrews, there are the warning passages, there are the promise passages, there are instructional passages, there are, Various passages. This is one of the warning passages in, in Hebrews. So, the writer says, Take care, brothers, lest any of you uh, any of you have an evil believing heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, I have to say this about Hebrews, this passage in Hebrews, and also Hebrews 6, which many who do not believe, and there are denominations out there, And we were part of it for a part of this, one of these denominations for for a while. They take Hebrews 6 and believe you can lose, lose your salvation. Okay. It's misapplied. You could take this Hebrews 3 passage, right? Leading you to fall away from the living God. This is why all of scripture is important. We have to understand all of scripture. So what do we read in John 10? My sheep hear my voice and follow me. The words of Jesus. And no one can snatch them out of my hand, nor can anyone snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I've used the expression before. It's almost like belt and suspenders. You're doubly held. You're held by the Son and you're held by the Father. Other passages include in, in Philippians. Um, he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. So we have to look at the, in, the, the totality of, of Scripture and we can't pick and choose, we can't cherry pick and say, see, you can lose your salvation. Not true. Okay? Not true. Because of other passages in the Bible. But again, this is one of the warning passages. Right? Don't have an unbelieving heart lest you fall away from the living God. But exhort one another, in other words, encourage one another every day as long as it is called quotes, today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. John Owen has a great quote with regard to the mortification of sin. And it's this. Either you are killing sin, or it is killing you. So, the deceitfulness of sin is quite destructive. And that's what the author is saying here. Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, it can serve to harden your heart, and that can lead to killing you. Physically, spiritually. For we have come to share in Christ. This is the reason for all this. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence to the end. Again, another warning here, right? But I believe if you are truly one of his, you've truly been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, you've been born again, by the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has led you to repentance in faith, a one-time repentance that sets you apart, but also that same Holy Spirit that dwells in every believer gives us the gift of ongoing repentance. When we sin, we are quick to repent. We, when we sin against another, we are quick to ask for Forgiveness. When one asks for forgiveness, we are quick to accept and say, yes, I forgive you. And that's part of encouragement as well, is to accept the uh, request for forgiveness from someone. That's a whole other subject. We're not going to talk about guilt tonight. You want to talk about Catholic guilt or Jewish guilt? Which one? (laughs) I, I I heard a, uh, I heard a Jewish woman say, everyone everyone thinks that Jewish guilt is the worst, but I have Catholic friends who said no Catholic guilt is the worst. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, and then from Psalm 95, in verse 15, as it is said, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart, hearts as in the rebellion. So what was the rebellion? What were their 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 hearts became hardened when where? What's that? No, where 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 was this rebellion? Where did this take place? In the wilderness? Complaining. Can't we go can't we go back to slavery in Egypt and have our fine foods? The Lord said, I set you free from all of that. Don't complain. It's easy to do, I know. Easier said than done. Hebrews 10. And this is a beautiful instructive passage. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And the hope is in Christ without wavering. So to waver is to go back and forth, in and out, side to side, um, and deviate in some way from the path that the Lord has has defined for his people. Right? Either go to the right or the Isaiah right, right or the left, right? Stay on the straight and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. For he, this is one of the promised passages, for he who promised is faithful. Even when we are not faithful, the Lord is faithful. And let us consider, and that that word in the Greek. Let us consider is a very serious thinking through. It's not a fleeting consideration, right? Um, What's what's an example? Um, What do you want for dinner tonight? Well, I considered making this, and then I considered making that. Um, those are just kind of lighthearted considerations, suggestions. suggestions. These are. This is a very serious consideration. Let us consider. Let us think very seriously about this. How to stir up one another to love and good works? How do we encourage each other to love and good works? Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, capital D, drawing near. The day is the day of the Lord, right? The day is the day of the Lord. Very important. Every day that goes by, you know, you, uh, there's a there's a lot of goofiness out there um, in the... Um, social media world. The Lord's going to return tomorrow because God told me. Um, We have some neighbors up, up north and they firmly believe that we have three years and the Lord will return. Nobody knows the day or the time. Only your Father knows the time. Not even the Lord Jesus Himself knows, but the Father knows right but nevertheless every day that goes by we are a day closer to the day of the lord right and i guess the question is are we wavering are we stirring others up are we prepared Because it could happen in an instant. You need to be prepared. Are the lamps full? Are the wicks trimmed? Are we ready? It's a sobering thought to think about, right? And we're going to talk about the thief in the night in 1 Thessalonians 5 down below. But A.W. Pink... um, if any of you have seen this volume that Pink wrote it's about this thick and it's an exposition of the book of Hebrews and uh it's um I think I'm good for reading about 5 pages at a time it's it's uh it's very deep it's very heavy it's very informative it's excellent excellent but um you know Pink put this put this exposition together and he offers this with regard to encouraging one another. So this is kind of Hebrews 10 stirring up encapsulated and and, uh, exposited by Pink. He said, here is expressed the chief design or end of our consideration for one another. It is to provoke or to stir up unto the performance of duties to strengthen zeal, to inflame affections, to incite unto godly living, we are to provoke one another by means of a godly example, by suitable exhortations, and by selfish, selfish acts of kindness. Yeah, un- yeah unselfish acts of kindness. And I'm, I'm going to need some glasses because I'm not, I'm not seeing the text clearly. So. Honey, maybe you could. I know. What? No, those are for distance. Those are for distance.
1: It's my astigmatism. I'm okay.
0: I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. So, so think about it. Now, are we going to do all of those things that pink outlines provoking and stirring up uh, strengthening zeal. Are we going to do all of those things perfectly, every day, consistently? No, we're not going to. But this is a high bar that is set um, for every believer, provoking one another by means of a godly example. Do I always set a godly example for those around me? No. I live in my household for a while and you'll and you'll see, right? I, I think the same thing can be said for for all of us. Beautiful passage in First Thessalonians five, one through eleven. Now concerning the times and the seasons. And we can say that of ourselves right now. I have lived well I'm in, in my uh, yeah seventh seventh decade now. I have never seen things that are taking place. Never imagine things that are taking place in the culture, and I think the same is true for probably most of you, even though a lot of you are younger um, it's interesting because you know what was considered absolutely taboo, never to be mentioned forty years ago, is now mainstream it's just the way it is so you know, when we look at this, and many have said, you know, well, we're getting a lot closer to the Lord's return, like our neighbors, it'll be three years. We only have three years. And I said, You sure about that? Yeah, yeah, sure about that. And I said, Okay. But we are closer to that day, and things are appreciably worse. And so, because things are getting progressively worse culturally, sin abounds. Tomorrow is a horrible day because any number of people are going to express pride over their sin for an entire month.
1: It's, you know, to be thankful that yes. I even got up in the morning, you know, with mm-hmm. all the problems that I have with the pain and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you live for today, right? Today. And why worry about tomorrow? It might never come. In the future, I mean, you know, the past, well, we're supposed to have learned from the history, but we never do. You know, today is the day that the Lord has made, and you just said that. And it was Christ, Jesus Christ, that was coming out of the synagogue with a donkey. But actually, it's in Matthew. Oh, sorry, it's in Matthew twenty-six thirty-four or something. That today you live for today because this is the day that the Lord gave you you know and yep. why worry about tomorrow it might never and, come uh, tomorrow repeating. it might never jesus come jesus
0: said tomorrow has enough why worry about tomorrow because today has enough trouble of its own yes. right exactly. yep exactly concerning the times and the seasons brothers you have no need to have anything written to you it's all, it's all in their day it was all in front of them in our day, it's it's all in front of us. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And that gets back to that, are we prepared? Are our wicks trimmed? Is, are, are, the, are the lamps full of oil? Are we ready? Are we ready? While people are saying there is peace and security, right? There's a whole component of the population that think that everything is fine. Everything's all right, right? We're at peace. Everything's fine. And there's security. The Romans gave their, before the fall of Rome, the Romans gave their people a level of security by providing for them what was termed bread and circuses. The Roman government gave them enough food to be content and they gave them circuses. Circus Maximus, the Colosseum, the Gladiators, all of that as a distraction. They were all dying spiritually. They were dead. But it was to satiate human needs. So, you know, there is peace and security, in quotes, right? Then, when you least expect it, it's like the candid camera thing, right? I'm dating myself here, candid camera. Somewhere, sometime, someone's going to come up to you and say, smile, you're on candid camera. Anyb- that today. Anybody? At the gym. You did the candid camera at the gym?
1: You no, know, This gal who thought that I was the same age as you, she was, you know, riding the bicycle. I don't know what she was doing, all those... Um, Universal machine, <laughs> and I go. Oh, I said, "Okay, you're in Candid Camera." I said, "Do you know who that is?" It's um, what's his name? Alan Funt. Alan Funt. No. Alan Funt. No, I mean the first one. Alan Funt. But um, what's the name of that other guy? No, no.
0: We're almost the same age, Thelma. Alan Funt. F-U-N-T. Uh, Trust me. All right, we have to move on.
1: Well, I'll.
0: Let me finish this, this, this beautiful passage in First in Thessalonians. Okay. So, people are moving along with their lives, not caring about anything of the Lord. They think there's a peace and security, but it's a false peace, and it's a false security. Then, sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. I've never experienced it. You ladies have. Um, Anne had a, had a spinal block, so it was, Liza, some of you had that too. But anyway, I can't relate to that. Women can come upon a pregnant woman, the, the labor pains, and there will be, and they will not escape. It'll be so sudden and so powerful. That that's the term that, that Paul uses. And then he uses this in verse 4 of encouragement. And it's similar to what he says in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 says, For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. It's a very similar passage to what he says in Ephesians 5 here in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. But you are not darkness, brothers, For that day to surprise you like a thief. So if we are walking in the light, our expectation is that if the Lord appears in the next five minutes, it's not a surprise to us. Oh, it's the Lord's return. Hallelujah. Right? For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night, or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep, let us be attentive, let us be awake for the Lord's return. So let, then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we belong to the light, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So Paul had great love for the people of Thessalonica and they had great love for him as well. So let's go to a psalm. Psalm 31, 23 34. This is an exhortation from the psalmist, David. And he calls out, Love the Lord, all you His saints. When I love the Lord to an exceeding level, the things of this world and all the stuff that goes on in it just seem to dissipate. Right? Because that's my focus. That's my focus. My focus is on loving Him, not the things of the world. First John talks about that as well. Love the Lord, all you His saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts... Uh, here's that word again. ...in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage... There's that word again. All of you who wait for the Lord. So are we waiting for the Lord? Are we waiting for the Lord? And it takes courage to wait. And when others ask us, What are you doing? I'm waiting for the Lord. You're waiting for what? I'm waiting for the Lord be still and know that i am god be strong and let your heart take courage all you wait for the lord great uh, great words of encouragement from david in the uh, in the psalms another psalm psalm 121 1 and 2 encouragement right we can either have our eyes looking at the temporal plane literally and figuratively, or I can lift my eyes up to the hills, right? I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He who spoke and all things came into existence out of nothing certainly has the power to strengthen you that and grant you the hope that we can lift our eyes upward out of the temporal plane to the eternal plane, and that's where our help is. Our help is up, Paul. Again, in Romans 1. And this is one of those neglected passages. But there's some beautiful things in this passage. He writes this to the church at Rome. For I long to see you. What a beautiful sentiment, right? I long to see you. It's almost a a man writing to a woman, a woman writing to a man. I long to see you. Paul had a love for these people. He was an encourager because he saw a great encourager in Barnabas. And so Paul became a great encourager, I believe. For I long to see you. For what purpose? That I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Now that gift may be evangelism, it may be the gift of exhortation, it may be the gift of help's, It may be any number of gifts. But Paul desires for these people to have a gift that they could pass on and impart to other believers. Some spiritual gift to strengthen you. By giving that gift away, you become stronger. That is, that we, me the apostle, and you the follower of Christ, Me, the apostle, you, the follower of Christ, may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul did not wear wear his apostleship arrogantly. He humbled himself. This is our, I'm an apostle, but you're, maybe you're a new believer. But may we mutually share in this. And that's a beautiful trait for an encourager. The same Paul, when he describes deacons and elders in Timothy and Titus, he offers this caution. Do not lord it over anyone. This position of either deacon or elder Do not lord it over others. It's a great warning. And we can start to see where that might have come from. Because Paul's mindset is, you and me, we're going to be mutually encouraged through all of this. Right? Romans 15. Chris, you want to recite this? This is your passage. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I find it interesting um, when we say peace with God. That is the heart of the matter. The whole peace movement during the Vietnam War in the 60s and the early 70s it's not about world peace. It's not about living in a world without conflict. There will be in conflict, conflict forever until the Lord returns or we go home to him. Right? The peace that is described by Jesus himself in the Gospels and in this passage, um, Romans, by Paul, the ultimate peace is peace between God and man. That beautiful reconciliation, right? Man's greatest issue is his sin. Man's greatest need is redemption and reconciliation with a holy God. Right? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. is the only way to have peace with God. Jesus himself said peace peace and there is no peace. Right? There was conflict all around. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, Endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What a great gift. There's nothing that we can offer accept complete submission to receive this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Repentance is a gift. Faith is a gift that we can understand this promise of hope.
2: Just a correction, that should be Romans 5. I know,
0: I know. I just saw that. Thank you. I know. What am I going to do? I didn't have my proofreader today. Thank you. First Corinthians sixteen, thirteen and fourteen. Be watchful. This is an exhortation. To be faithful. Be watchful. And stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. This is akin to when, when, uh, when we read in uh, in Hebrews, Hebrews ten about not wavering, standing strong, standing firm in the gap, not being pushed over. A well-known euphemism is uh, American euphemism. If you stand for nothing. You will fall for anything. So what do we stand for? And the exhortation here is, "Act like men." and this is not a sexist statement from Paul, please don't, don't Yeah, don't get it, get that wrong. But stand firm in the faith, stand in the gap, as some would say. Act like men and be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. Now for some of us, that's a difficult road to walk. Because I'm going to be the strong protector. I'm going to stand when someone comes and rails against what I believe. Rails against the Lord Jesus. Those are fighting words. Physical (laughs) fighting words sometimes. And Paul backs it up and says, yes, but let all that you do be done in love. And when someone comes and rails against us or someone we know with regard to these matters of faith and what we hold true, and, and and hold fast to act in love and i would encourage you because i have to keep this in mind and i, ha- I heard a reminder today listening to a, a message that vengeance is mine says the lord the lord's ultimately going to have his way with your enemies He's going to have his way with the culture that does not believe in the Lord Jesus. He's going to have his way. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 3-7 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which ours, we ourselves are comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort as well. Comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. So, you know Paul's story. He talks about being shipwrecked multiple times, going sleepless nights and hunger and all of this for the sake of promoting the gospel. These are wonderful, encouraging words for those who are out on the front lines sharing the truth of the gospel. Whether it's in a pastorship or a missionary or you and me. All right? Spurgeon's comment, and it's in the Old English, so bear with it. Spurgeon, Spurgeon's expositions of, of passages, um, beautiful, beautiful uh, exposition. But he comments on this Second Corinthians passage. And again, it goes back to Psalm 121. I left my eyes up to the hills. His encouragement is look upward. Dost thou see thy heavenly Father, a pure and holy being, spotless, just, perfect? Do you see him? Dost thou know that thou art one day to be like him? This is part of the comfort, right? That we have to have at the forefront of our minds when we go through the travails of living in the world. Thinkest thou that thou wilt easily come to be conformed to his image? Wilt thou not require much furnace work, much grinding in the mill of trouble, much breaking with the pestle in the mortar, of affliction. Some of you younger people understand what a mortar and pestle is? Anybody? Mortar and pestle? Okay. Pharmacist, right? It's the pharmacist icon, right? The pestle is the hammer and the mortar and the mortar and they hammer all the stuff together, right? The mortar of affliction much being broken under the wheels of agony. Thinkest thou it may be an easy thing for thy heart to become as pure as God is? Dost thou think thou canst so soon get rid of thy corruptions and become perfect, even as thy Father which is in heaven is perfect? So, he presents some interesting things questions there. The walk is not easy. We're all going to go through some stuff. And some of that stuff may be near death or even death itself through affliction. We uh, had opportunity to watch... Um, Parkside Church on Sunday, and it wasn't Alistair Alistair Begg that was uh, preaching, it was another uh, of his staff, and he was in Habakkuk 1, 1 through 5, and this sounds so much like what others have gone through in centuries past, and akin to what we're going through now in the culture, and the rubber meet, really meets the road in this. And one thing he pointed out that I had never heard before. The subheading on this Habakkuk passage is Habakkuk's complaint. And he said, It's not really a complaint as we understand complaints. You know, my coffee's cold. That's a complaint. I didn't go to the Lord. With my cold coffee. But Habakkuk and Jeremiah in Lamentations go to the Lord. They're seeking the Lord. So it's a lament and not necessarily a complaint. Complaint is what we do in the flesh, a lament is what we do before a holy God, right? First two words that characterize this as a lament. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Am I the only one who's gone through a season where I think that the Lord is not hearing? Am I the only one? Show of hands. I guess I am. Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Almost sounds like Psalm, um, Psalm 73, right? The prosperity of the wicked. right? Lord, what's going on here? I'm trying to do this right. And I'm trying to do that right. And it's all in vain because I look at the wicked and they're all prospering and I'm here suffering and I'm doing the right thing. At least I think so in your eyes. But that's not the case. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. And justice never goes forth. Sound familiar? For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth. Perverted. And here's the Lord's answer to Habakkuk. And this is such a beautiful consolation for us to hold to. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. We don't see all that the Lord is doing. And the exclamation on that is... Not only is the Lord doing a work in your days, but you would not believe it if I told you. If I told you in advance what I'm going to do, you wouldn't believe it. You know, we think we think about Joseph, right? Wronged by his brothers. What man intended for evil, God intended for good. And I think that's, that's part of what has been revealed to uh, Habakkuk um, in this. So it's eight o'clock. Would anyone like to share? Um... I All right, you need the microphone, Dama.
1: I do. Okay, in First John four twelve, I share this with somebody, and it said, "No man has seen God at any time." All right. If we love. One another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. And I thought, boy, and, you know, it just kind of woke me up because, you know, it, that was today. But then uh, mm-hmm. how about tomorrow, the next day, the next year, and the next ten years? It's always you know the the love of god to to right. those that believe in him is permanent you know right he never and, and nobody 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 can take that away from you
0: well and, and while he may never he never he, change, he never changes
1: but we But we
0: continue to yeah lord willing we continue to grow
1: because we're sinful and we you know um, it's our nature. perfect
2: right well, yep. it,
1: you, and you always learn every single day you know and correct correct me if I did something wrong, but I'm sorry you know, that I did that. What,
0: what are you defend, talking about? I don't know. You're talking about I, specific I didn't to offend
1: you.
2: <laughs> I was just going to say, on the topic of encouragement, in order to encourage one another, that it requires some intimacy and friendship. And yes. that it requires that yes. we have that love that you spoke of about Paul with... Uh, people of the churches that he visited, um, and then someone once asked me and or told me they didn 't think that our church was a very friendly church, and said that people didn 't get to know one another and I, I challenged them i said why don 't they ask others about the other about themselves you know ask others about the others uh-huh. instead of expecting someone to approach them and ask them so that starts a conversation that starts an interest in showing that. Kind of that unselfishness that you were talking about. Um, so question others. And don't expect others to take an interest in you if you're not taking an interest exactly, in them. Exactly. Or, you know, it goes both ways. And that speaks to that mutual encouragement.
0: Well, and if I, if I could kind of jump on to that. This was quite a few years ago. And some of you remember this family, the Wyberus. But I remember it, it at prayer night, uh, one Sunday night, Nicoletta had made an observation of how we operate as a church on a typical Sunday. And I'm sure she wouldn't mind us mind me, you know, sharing this. And she said, "What I observe is everyone gets up and goes and talks to someone that they always talk to, someone they're always comfortable with. And that's who they always go to. And she said, I would challenge us as a church that every Sunday you engage with somebody you've never engaged with in conversation. Just break that cycle and make that become a a habit. I'm going to go talk to somebody I've never talked to after, after church this week. And get to know them as to how you might encourage them. So the, that's the familiarity. Right? Anyone else? Alright, let's pray. Close. Again, Father in Heaven, we thank You for giving us this evening and for those who are here. Thank You for the, the beauty and the power And the glory that is in your word, help us to hold fast to it. Help us to use it to encourage others, to encourage ourselves that we may encourage others with it. We may hold fast to your promises, for they are sure and they are true. You are all we have, Lord. Thank you for calling us to be your branches as you are the vine. And you tell us very clearly, Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. So let us stay connected to the vine. Let us be desiring to be pruned that we would bear more fruit as well, Lord. Continue to do a mighty work in our lives. Grant us safe travel until we meet on your Lord's day.
1: In Jesus' name, amen.